You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 46 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob is supervising a carpet install at his library. I can't imagine that's being really more exciting than sitting here today in Southampton, but that's where he chose. So anyway, we're coming to you today from the Southampton campus of Stony Brook University in Southampton, New York. And the Library Pros podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to subscribe to our Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget uh, to join our email subscription service from our website, thelibrarypros.com. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review on the service of your choice and tell a friend or colleague because word of mouth is how we get people to learn about and listen to our podcast. Also, check us out on Twitter at, at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash librarypros. So today we are fortunate enough to be here in Southampton with Kathleen Russo. Kathleen is the co-director of the Audio Podcast Fellows Program at Stony Brook University's Southampton campus. She curates Writer Speaks Wednesday series and special events for the Summer Writers Conference at Stony Brook University. In addition, she produces the podcast slash radio show, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin. It's a WNYC production, and she's been a contributor to The Moth and This American Life, and past produce Producing credits include two movies with Academy Award-winning director Steven Soderbergh and Grey's Anatomy, and, and everything is going fine. So, wow. And everything is going fine. And everything Just is going like fine. Just like today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, taking time to sit with us and to speak with us. And we're going to speak with Kathleen today about podcasting, in case all our listeners are sick of hearing me talking about podcasting. <laughs> we have another episode, so if you haven't started yet, this doesn't inspire you. I don't know what will. And we're going to speak with Kathleen about podcasting, including what libraries can do to facilitate podcasting, both by librarians and patrons, and the new fellowship program at Stony Brook University. But first, let's chat about the beginning. So um, how did you get into the field, the entertainment field, media, all that stuff? Oh, well, that started a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. my um, Oh, I think it's allergies. Hang on. Let me take a sip of water. Well, it is a spring here in New mm. York, so. Mm. And I've been boasting that I wasn't affected by them. And now this morning I woke up and I had this like sore throat, which I can only think is pollen. Um, but I went to school at RIT for photography. And when I graduated, I thought I, I assisted for some photographers. And then I thought, I don't really like this, even though I went to school for like seven years. Isn't that two. always the way? I right? know. So I fell into a job called the um, – it was the Pyramid Arts Center in Rochester, and it was this very avant-garde uh, performance space. And that was my first job out of school. And there I just met so many people who I'm happy to say are still friends, like the Blue Man Group came when no one knew who they were, um, Spalding Gray, my future husband – I just I met so many people through that job and I worked there for about 4 years and I was about to turn 30 and I said I don't want to be in Rochester when I'm 30. I need to move to this city. <laughs> and that I did. I think uh 3 months to spare. And I was a single mom. Um I had a two two and a half year old daughter moved to the city. When I think about it now I'm like how did I ever do that? Um Sounds scary. Yeah, it did, but I I think I the only way sometimes you have to make a major move like that is just, just have plunge to do it. in it. Yeah. yeah. 
So I did. And the reason why I moved there was because I was offered a job at this place called Soho Booking, where we were agents for dance companies. So I did that for a few years. And then I went to another booking company called Pentacle, where we did performance artists, which no one really calls themselves performance artists anymore. This was like, you know, the 90s. And then I worked at Columbia Artists, where I worked with like Stomp and Alvin Ailey. And um, that's just to name some of the more popular groups. I worked with uh, David Byrne. So I sort of went from doing PR at the Pyramid Arts Center to uh, becoming like a booking agent for for different disciplines in the arts. And then when I became pregnant with my third child, I was living in the city, Spalding and I, we had two kids at the time. And I just decided I can't do three kids in the city. And we came out here for Spalding's 54th birthday. And I'd never been out to Sag Harbor before. We stayed at the American Hotel. And after dinner, we walked around town. And there was this house for sale. And I said, let's just see if the door's open. And we walked in. (laughs) And we just, like, walked around this old historic house. Because no one locks their doors in Sag Harbor. I shouldn't shouldn't promote that, but um, (laughs) it's true. And um, we walked around. We didn't end up buying that house. But we bought a house close to there. So my whole life was changing. I was moving out here with the three kids and we were going to make this our permanent home and just commute into the city when we had to. And I decided um, to start my own booking agency. And that was called Washington Square Arts. And I did that for probably like 10 years. Um, when that ended, Spalding died in 2001. And after he died, I wanted a change of everything. I mean, not everything, not moving or anything, but a change in my career because it was harder to go into the city with um, the three kids. So I um, opened up my own, um, or I'm sorry. So then I, I was out here and I ended up getting a job with, which is now known as WPBB with Bonnie Grice. Mm-hmm. And I'd never worked really in radio other than college radio. So I produced her morning show and then she has a nationally syndicated show called The Song Is You. So that's how I first got into producing radio. And then unfortunately, they um, were owned by Long Island University. Long Island University sold the building we're in right now, the whole campus, to Stony Brook. And so that ended um, my career at that radio station. So I was sort of like, didn't know where I was going to go from there. And was I was doing a few things, um, freelance projects, some big projects like the film with Stephen. And I did a play on Spalding that ran off Broadway for six months. So I was doing those kind of projects. And then um, I was at the Hampton Film Festival and I knew Alec a little bit because we sat on a board together called STAR, which was standing for truth about radiation. And we were trying to close down Millstone Power Plant in Connecticut, sure. which we didn't do, but we did some other good stuff. So we kind of just knew each other, you know, by sight. And, and he was, he knew Smalding, obviously. So we, um, I saw him at the uh, Hampton Film Festival interviewing different people on stage. And I went home and my boyfriend now, Devo is his name, I came home and I said, oh, gosh, you know, Alec is such a good interviewer. I had no idea. I knew he was a good actor, but I didn't know he was a good interviewer. And I really think, like, he should have a radio show. And he goes, well, you should tell him that the next time you see him. So the next day we were at the film festival and 
we were like talking and I didn't see him, but Davo goes, Oh, there's, there's Alec. And I go, Oh, should I go up? And he goes, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so I go up, I go, Alec. And he turns around and I go, and I told him, I said, listen, you were so great on stage interviewing. Have you ever thought about doing a radio show? He goes, that's all I've been thinking about doing. How do we, why do you ask? You know, I go, because I would love to produce it. And he goes, how do we make this happen? And he took my number, I took his number, and he called me the next day. Wow. Which just, what I tell my students here is like, don't be afraid to ask. The only thing that can happen is they might say no, and but you never know when they'll say yes. And so in this case, it worked in my favor. And so one thing led to another, and it took, I mean, when you have Alec Baldwin as the host, people will return your phone calls. So, (laughs) yeah, definitely. And I really didn't know much about, you know, a national platform for podcasting and radio shows and all that. So, I just started to call people that I remotely knew in the business. And one thing led to another. I put a whole team of producers together and we got the green light to do a pilot with um, WMYC. And so then after the pilot was passed, we did our show, which is really primarily a podcast, but they make um, different um, episodes into radio broadcasts. I was going to say, they probably take yeah, the pieces they, and they put them in a time Yeah, slot. they put them um, mostly for WMYC. They play them on Thanksgiving Day. It's like the Alec Baldwin Marathon where they play like 12 episodes that whole day. So we always get like. People are going, we were making dinner and we were listening, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. We listened to like three episodes. It was fantastic. So it's pretty smart for them to do it that way. But they also package them and they go all over the country, all over the world, actually, because now we're on airlines and wow, really? we're on Spotify and yeah, we're, we're everywhere. And you see, that's the beauty of podcasting. So you could take a podcast like mine and put it right up against Alec Baldwin's mm-hmm. on Spotify together and... It, it levels levels the playing field a little bit more, right? Right. Yeah, that's 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 the amazing thing but about podcasts. So you know? much competition now. You have to understand when I started this seven years ago, there was like maybe a hundred podcasts, and now there's over three hundred thousand. Yeah. So uh, we were like number one when we launched, and we were always like in the top ten, and. Then we got used to being in the top fifty, and now we're <laughs> now I think we're at one hundred and fifty, and that's not. I mean, we're that's, getting that's huge great. numbers, mm-hmm. like over a million a month. But w- there's just way too much competition, and that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the whole thing is competition now, right? Yeah, but there seems to be room for it because new shows are popping up every All day. The time, yeah. It's like it's almost like a running joke. Like, of course you have a podcast. You know, why wouldn't you have a podcast? Yeah, it's like yeah. It's like people now, back in the 70s, say, let's start a band. Right. Now it's, let's start a podcast. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, because it's easy to do. Like we were talking before you set up, it doesn't take much equipment. It just takes uh, determination and passion. And an iTunes account. <laughs> an iTunes account. Right, right, right. Because iTunes is still king. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, your college uh, career. Like you said, you went to RIT. Mm-hmm. Um Tell me about that experience and how that may or may not have prepared you for Well, it's funny. My first – so I said I have two undergrad degrees. My first degree was in communications from SUNY of Plattsburgh. Okay. So I did that and I didn't know what I wanted to do. My dad was in advertising, so I thought I would go into advertising, but I didn't really want to. So then I you know, graduated and went to Europe with a friend for six months. And while in Europe, I just started taking pictures a lot, obviously – 
And I just decided, oh, I think this is what I want to do. And so my parents were like, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? I go, well, I don't know what I want to do. But will you start looking at like colleges that that have good photo majors for me? And my mom came across RIT. So when I came back, we went up there. I really liked it. And I got accepted based on my what I thought was a very weak portfolio from Plattsburgh, but it worked and, you know, my trip to Europe. Um, but that was, a, that was an incredible school. I mean, that's like Eastman Codex there. It's, it's a wonderful school to go to. Spent a lot of time in a couch building, right? Huh? You spent a lot of time in the couch building? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because my son, who's now 21, when we were looking at colleges four years ago, we went to RIT because he, he was a film or a photo major. Now he's a film major. And we went, he goes, mom, it's like, I get it. Like, I see all the dark rooms and all the facilities here. He goes, but this place looks like a prison. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when you see it through your kid's eyes, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. It's just a bunch of brick buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Not very pretty. No. And Rochester gets a lot of snow, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, that didn't stop me from going there. I really enjoyed my time there. And I ended up living there. Like I said, my first job was there. So I ended up living there for seven years and it was a nice community. And, and we go back and visit because I still have friends there and I, I always enjoy myself there. But yeah, that was, a, that was a great school to go to for photography. Yeah. My, we actually were on the college tour now because my, I was mm-hmm. 16 year old and uh, we went to RIT and she liked it a lot too. But it, it's interesting how it's like an artist enclave in a technical school. Mm-hmm. So that's what I found interesting about it too. Right, like right. You could go out and talk to the engineering students, but yet you have that little, the little respite to go back into the couch building and, right, right. and, and be around the, the artistic people. Right, right. Yeah, so I found that really kind of interesting, too. It's fun going on college tours. It really is, yeah. 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 So you kind of went into it a little bit about how you got into the field, but what was that? What was inside here that, that brought you uh, to you it? You know, I wish I can say, like, unlike my children, who each, I have three kids, and they knew exactly what they wanted to do, um, that was not me. I was just kind of floating around and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of, and it, truth be told, I fell into every single job I've ever held. Isn't that always the way though? Yeah. No, I mean, there are some people like my daughter. No, no. She went to Columbia grad school for journalism. She got a job at NBC before she even graduated. She knew what she wanted to do. And she's a producer too for okay. um, Dateline. Um, but no, I just sort of fell into it. And I was like, okay, let's take that road. Let's take that road. And <laughs> so the wrong with it's, that. It's worked for me so far. There's only been maybe, I think maybe two jobs were that accepted and I didn't stay long at where I walked, you know, like the first or second day, you're like, what did I do? Why am I here? That's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> so tell me how you ended up here at Stony Brook. Well, it's like, I said, when I worked for the radio station, I was here. Right. You know, when Long Island University owned it for four years with Bonnie Grice. And then, so that was, I think that ended in 2008. And then I didn't come back here until five years ago, 2013. So I sort of knew Bob Reeves, who, um, you know, runs our program here. And he, like, we would say hello to each other in the hallway when I worked at the radio station. His office was down the hall. And so I saw him, I think, at a party. And I said, you know, I'm looking for a job. Do you need – is there anything at the college? Because that might be kind of interesting. 
And he goes, we should talk. And so we had lunch and he didn't really have anything specific. That went on for like a year. And then finally he said, you know, just come on board and let's see what we can do with you. You know, and it's, which I loved because I started off here fundraising and I hate fundraising. <laughs> I think it's the most difficult job. It's hard. It's not easy. I don't like it. I don't like it. And now I'm over 50. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> but um, I, I kind of evolved here from doing writer speak to working on special projects, producing things here. For example, I think it was my second year here. We brought the moth here, which was a big deal for during the writers conference. Um, they've never sold out a show here and that show was completely sold out standing room only. So those kind of things um, I started to do. And then, I was at the same time doing the Alec Baldwin show and then Bob and I started talking. It's like, how can we incorporate podcasting into this program? And that's where we came up with the idea of starting a podcast program for 12 fellows, which actually, truth be told, we've got 13. Um, well, because, because I was told, because I've never run a program before, but I was told accept more than the 12 because someone won't pay on time or something, but they all did. So it's fine. We have 13. It'll work. That's great. And that's a great yeah. foreshadow for our next segment. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the fellowship and all that great stuff. So we'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Kathleen Russo from Stony Brook University's Podcasting Fellowship Program. So just so we understand, what is a fellowship? It's a nice way of calling someone a student a fellow. gives them a different <laughs> title. Um, well, because it's a year program, so we're looking at it not like you're going for an undergrad degree, a four or two or four-year degree. It's sort of like a specialized boot camp program because when – if I showed you the course outline that Tony, Deck, and I are working on. It's they are just going to be immersed into podcasting from day one. It sounds like such an interesting program. Right, right. And I mean, you know, it's difficult, too, because um, most of the people have day jobs in New York City. And that's where we're going to be teaching at the Manhattan campus, which is near Penn Station. Uh, and so we the class once a week is four hours long, and it's five to nine. Um, so we're, oops, I just realized I'm saying um a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. There we go. It'll it's be like crush, Tourette's, right? right? Um, what was I, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Once a about? week. Yeah. Once a week. Yeah. So it's very intensive, but it's also built around people that have day jobs. So they're going to be doing a lot of their assignments, you know, on their own time, on the weekends, going into the studios, if they, if they choose to do it that route. Mm hmm and so it's it's you know it's a it's a time commitment but it's only one year right sure um and it does sound it sounds extremely interesting uh and when uh, our mutual contact chris kretz who's been on my podcast more times than i'll even mm -hmm. admit to because he's such he's a doing great a guy. wonderful job here by the way oh he's, he's really awesome. he's transformed that library he's he's unbelievable he's a great guy and he's an amazing podcaster 
And he's been talking about doing it for a long time. He's been doing a Long Island History Project. I know. I didn't know that until this whole thing came about. 12, 15 years, something, right. some crazy number like right. that. So he's like our um, – See? takes passion, determination. And that's him. He's all about passion. I love it. Um, so the Audio Podcast Fellows Program at Stony Brook is the first of its kind in the United States. Isn't that right? I mean – That's you, what we're claiming. Yeah. No one else has, you know, No one else is trying – Yeah. So I – I can imagine. However, there's a lot of pop-ups now that we see. And I'm not saying they copied us. The more, the merrier. Right. But I know, like, Pineapple's doing something this summer. WMYC's doing something this summer. They're shorter programs, Mm -hmm. um, which may work for other people. We just figured it was a year with a focus on the first semester. First semester, teach you everything we can. And then second semester is going to be critiquing the podcast that you'll be doing on your own, but also giving you an internship somewhere. That's that's really interesting too, because you're taking, I don't want to say the old way of doing it, but the um, the establishment or the the industry side of it versus the going out on your own, doing it your own way kind of right. thing. So it's, right. it's interesting because those are the two worlds right now. So you get people like us who bring in our portable board or, or mm-hmm. you know do it at our library Versus the people who are going to actually do it in an industry studio. That's, Setting. Right. So it's something, I don't want to say corporate, but it's something that's more in the industry per se. We'll, we'll see what kind of leverage they get with their own podcasts. Which, by the way, too, is WSHU is our partner on this. And so each fellow has a definite spot on their webpage for their podcast when it's finished. That's really good, too, mm-hmm. because it's it's real broadcast. It's an NPR right. station. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on WSHU's page. It'll- right. And it, it's almost as though it's great to be on, on live broadcast. But in some in some respects, it's almost become secondary to the digital end. Am I Correct. right about yeah, that? Right. Correct. So as much just, as it's... It, it's it, more convenient ahead. for people's schedules. Right. So you can just pop it on anytime you want. Right. Like just driving out here from, from Bohemia. Right. You catch up on your podcast. I was catching up on my right. podcast. Right. I was catching up on some of the Ellen Druda stuff with the Half Hollow Hills and and uh, Carol Ann Tack from, from the Merrick Library and some of those other things. So the only challenging thing is trying to switch while driving. Yeah, don't yeah, do that. That's the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> Hands free. Hands free. Right. So uh, how did you come up with the idea um, of a fellowship and – could this turn into a minor in undergrad? It could. We haven't thought that far ahead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what we would like to do is see how this, it goes this year. And then if it's successful, which I'm sure it will be, we want to do uh, double it. So we'd have – and we want to use this campus as well. So we'd have 12 fellows out here and 12 fellows in the city. So then we double to 24 next year. That would be interesting mm-hmm. to see happen. I can't imagine it not growing because this is something that, like we were saying before we went on, that you know it's not that hard to do. You can do this with a DAT recorder. You right. can do this with your phone. You well, can... and then we get criticism too. We're like, well, why do you have to have a class to learn how to podcast? Well, I think you do. I think – and adding the that. internship to it, I yeah. think it can – I would say most of our fellows – they have not had experience in radio. There's some, but not or podcasting. So that's good. We're te- they have an idea, but they just don't know how to execute it. And we've got people who are in finance. We have people, well, we have one who actually worked on 60 Minutes. So it's, and the ages are from 
22 to 74. That's great. Mm -hmm. That just shows how it transcends. Right. You know, everything. So it's not age discrimination anywhere. No. (laughs) In this. Nor should there be. I mean, look at Norman Lear has a, how old is Norman Lear now? Yeah. He's got to be like late 80s, 80s, maybe 90s. Yeah. He has one on podcast one. That's great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's really nice about podcasting is, how do I put this? It's not like you have, if you're doing it the way we're doing it here, you don't have, a general manager or a program director or somebody saying, you can't say this. You don't have the FCC saying you can't say that. I know. You know, you don't have... We don't have to censor ourselves. Right. So it's the Wild West of broadcasting. It's going to change at one point, but right now it's pretty, yes, exactly, the Wild West. It reminds me of radio in the 20s Mm -hmm. because back then anything goes. You could have a singing program next to, um, you know, maybe a, a Gene Autry Mm-hmm. Next to uh, George Burns, next to Bing Crosby, next to um, you know Al Jolson or anybody else, and you never knew what was going to happen from one quote unquote season to the next. Well, yeah, the old radio was like live theater. It was right. live theater. It was, yeah. So you never knew. It's, it's still to this day when you go to live theater, something can happen, and it's always interesting. That's what makes it so exciting. But the thing that I find fa- so fascinating about podcasting is. It not only just transcends the media, it transcends most countries. Mm-hmm. So if you've, if our listeners have listened to some of our previous podcasts, we've had people on from Australia, from London, from Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- were trying to set up some with another person in London, another person in Australia. So, and the listenership, once it catches on, you, you catch in different places. So it's not something that's even limited to geography or, right. or things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and no makeup needed. No makeup. Right. <laughs> and the, the – Hair before, and makeup. Well, yeah. So you were saying before how you produced a, a morning radio show. Right. I, oh, I, I find it miss, incredibly I daunting just setting this up to, to record oh. twice a month. I can't well, I imagine. Engineer. I didn't do you – know, Well, not was, just that. Was, just the, the lineup of guests. Right. That was fun. I really liked that. And, I really liked that show. And it was really great for me to you know get my radio chops – from that but job. But I, I just, I, it, it's almost like working for the post office is never an mm-hmm. end. There's always a constant right. stream. There's, I guests, there's guests that don't show up and then you've got to fill it with something else and try right. to get someone on the phone if, if that guest doesn't show up or they're stuck in traffic and they pull over to be interviewed so, by so the me, phone. Let me, let me ask you a radio secret. If your show is on from six to 10 and you have bits, do you replay the bits for the different time? Like you, you pay, play a bit of maybe seven and you pay, play it again. And we didn't do that. You didn't do that, no. but that's something that's done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it is here. Yeah. Yeah. Lazy I think, broadcasting, right? I think right? we were on from, I think it was eight to 10, two hours. Yeah. Oh, so it was only a two hour show. Well, mm-hmm. it's not like like one of those Z morning zoo things where it was like a four no. hour. Eight to 10. But I had to be there at 530. So Ugh. do not miss those hours. No, not at, at all. all. Not and at now all. Now that my kids are grown, I, I sleep. To, someone called me this morning at 730. I'm like, what are you doing calling me at 730? <laughs> I do not wake up that early. Wow, that's pretty that's, funny. That's the only plus of the empty nest. <laughs> so being in the library world, we've been really fortunate to have done podcasts, not only people, you know, in the library land, um, but from, like we said before, people from all over the world. Uh, what advice do you have for library podcasters with regard to crafting their podcasts? Like, it, for me, I didn't have a blueprint. I made a blueprint. And mm-hmm. everybody seems to, the, the one constant in podcasting is that, 
there's no real rules. Right. So I would say you have to be so active on your social media because if you don't, no one's going to pay attention. And I'm fortunate with here's the thing because we have a built-in like team at WMYC that takes care of that. I don't have to do that. Um, so you have to be so, you have to be your own self promoter and hit your Facebook, hit your mailing list, even with email with a link to your podcast, and you've got to tweet and you've you've got to do all those things, or it's, it's, it's not going to so, happen. So true. no one's going to pay attention. Yeah. And unfortunately, too, you have to get some big name guests to because what's great is the cross promotion. So say you, I don't know, libraries, a famous writer comes in and you interview them about their new book or something. And then you get them to tweet on their social media. So the cross promotion we rely on heavily for here's the thing. I wrote an article for Library Journal about mm-hmm. podcasting with um, with a really Good friend and colleague of mine, Ellen Druda, which every time we say her name, she has to pay us eleven dollars. <laughs> um, and that's marketing; it's a whole different thing. Uh, and when we wrote that article, Library Journal was gracious enough to let us promote our podcast there, mm-hmm. and that's when we saw our numbers really go up. And you know, that was peak time for us, and then they've come down, but they've stayed higher than they were before. So, social media—I've even noticed. If I slack on Twitter for a few days, my numbers go down. Mm-hmm. But once I start saying, oh, do you remember when, we, you when we traveled to Canton, New York, mm-hmm. or when we did this podcast or had this guest on, then the numbers go up again. Because people, I mm-hmm. try to, I don't want to use the word recycle, but I want to um, bring people back to the older episodes. Right. Because the stuff that we talk about is pretty timeless. Right. You know, it's it's library stuff. It's like library land kind of mm-hmm. things. So it's nice to go back and see how the numbers from the older podcasts come mm-hmm. up when you promote the older podcasts or when you talk about a guest that's coming up, you see the numbers start to go up again. So it really is kind of interesting. And when you do the crossovers, uh, you start to see, you start to pull in from their demos. Right. So like we were pulling a lot from Australia. Um, up, They've gone down, the numbers have gone down a little bit now, but we've been pulling from Australia and New Zealand, mm-hmm. which is, <laughs> it's amazing. That's great. But you're right. Social media is king. And for me, I mean, I don't know if you had an experience which one is more powerful, but for us, it's always been Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter just seems I'm to not be sure. powerful for us. I'm not sure. But given Alex tweets, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, with regard to the library world, um, I don't know how connected you are to the library world. Uh, what could you I see? can't it's funny because I was one of those moms that we'd go to the library once a week and get the books and make the kids read all ten of them that we took out and now that I don't have little kids, I don't really go to the library anymore. That's okay, we won't hold it against and you. I also <laughs> i get I get books seriously, like I get two new books a day pitched to me, so I can't even fit all these books in my house anymore, nor can I do I have time to read them all mm-hmm. so but all the you know latest books I mean, there's so many books out on a daily basis that I get. So, so I mean, I support libraries. I love our library in Santa Oh, Harbor. isn't it beautiful? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Eric Cohen's the IT guy that we actually mm-hmm. had him on as a guest. It's a beautiful building. Love it, love it, love it. I'm very proud of it as a Sag Harbor resident. But uh, I don't go to the library that much anymore, unfortunately. Well, you're a busy person, too. <laughs> that factors into it. Right. Sure. Right. Um, so it, what's interesting that I've seen, been seeing since – We've, you know, kind of picked up steam as a podcast. Other, <clears throat> excuse me, libraries that have asked about, you know, starting a podcast. So I always give them the list of stuff that we have. 
And it's fun to see them leap off and, and do the different things that they do. And, uh, as far as for, for what we do, the, the audio hosting is interesting because they'll pick their own audio host and do it their own way. Mm-hmm. But yet it, they're doing the same thing. And that's something we've always talked about on this podcast about how like Chris does his with the little Morantz handheld. Um, everybody has different equipment. Everybody has their own style. And, it really, and that's the beauty of it. You can do this anywhere. You can do it on your phone. Exactly. They're making movies on phones now. So yeah. there you go. What, but what I love is the creativity mm-hmm. that's not hindered by the technology anymore. It used right. to be, well, how am I going to record this? I need to have you know some kind of big tape machine mm-hmm. or some Well, there was of- always huge obstacles, and now there's not. Now there isn't. But the one thing I want to say, too, that, that we're doing with the program, and that I think relates to what you're getting to, is that storytelling is the major driving force behind any podcast. You have to have a good story, whether it be your host that's a good storyteller or the subject matter that's a good story. You have to have a good story. You have to be able to tell the story through the podcast. So that's like the first month of our program is focusing mostly on storytelling before we even get into all the tech stuff. Because if you don't have that, what are you doing this for? Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's one thing I always tell people like when they want to start a podcast. Um, once you figure out all this, this electronic mm-hmm. stuff, then you can be creative. Cause once you figure this out, you can put it in the corner. Cause now you have it, you've acquired it. You learned how to use it. Hopefully you remember how to use it. Now it's time to be creative. Right. Now it's time to just uh, like vomit it out onto paper mm-hmm. to get it out there to, to find out what your show is going to be about, what's going to be your, th- I sound like a, like a middle school English teacher. What's your theme? Right. How are you going to structure your show? Are you going to structure your show or is it just going to be a recorded? Free for all. Right. Free for all or record it and then edit it later. Mm-hmm. Are you going to edit or you're not going to edit? There's so many moving parts to this that but I don't, over- don't overthink it either. Right. Just make sure you have a good story. Exactly. And that goes back to the old radio days that we were talking about before is like, why did the whole family sit around the radio and listen? Because they were being told a good story. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this audio arts emergence or um, revival is that all these podcasts are great stories within each one. And it's it's almost mind boggling. It's like TV right now. I'm like, uh, you know, are you watching Handmaid's Tale? Are you watching this? I'm like, who has time to watch all these? <laughs> but I, you hear how great these TV shows are. It's the same thing with podcasting, but it's a little easier with podcasting because, as you said, you can listen in your car. Most people listen while they're commuting to work. And that's why most podcasts are under a half an hour because that's commute times 25 minutes for most people. Right, right. And it's passive as well. Mm-hmm. With TV, you have to at least... You could be doing a two-screen thing where you're right, staring you at your phone. Right, you can freeze it while you but go you, to the kitchen or whatever, it's, yeah. It's multiple senses mm-hmm. where with podcasting, it's a single sense. Mm-hmm. So you can have it on the background just as background noise. Right. Hopefully people don't do that with this podcast. But you know, it, it's something you can listen to while you're in your car because you're doing other things. It's right. a good multitasking entertainment. It is. Platform. I always cook dinner listening to a podcast. That's a good one. Right, yeah. Or, yeah, so mm-hmm. I do or cleaning or making breakfast mm-hmm. or doing whatever. Um, so, and that's a good transition into my next question about, you know, podcasts, the podcasting and resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think happened? 
because the first round of podcasts were, eh, it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay, Steve Jobs came up with this idea with a pot, you know, an iPod, and what do you do on an iPod is music, well, and then they, they offered free podcasts. And then it kind of died off for a little while. What do you think was the, was there one particular show or one particular group of, of podcasts? I think This American Life definitely did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Ira, what he's done with that show over the past 20-some years. I feel like he was the he's the grandfather now of of radio storytelling and podcasting now because he was one of the first shows to be a podcast which is always he's always in the top 10 always right. sure so i feel like it what i was just saying about having a good story and he knows how to produce good stories so i think i think he was one of the forerunners in this industry and then following him came like look at the moth you're just taking people off the street who have a good story to tell and some tell it better than others but still it's just you get the sense that you're witnessing the story for the first time and that's and that's what i think the appeal of podcasting is too because you may hear a podcast for the first time and say i love it or hate it and then you're either hooked or you're not hooked mm-hmm. so the concept of that first listen right um you got to be grabbed in the first 10 seconds or it's not going right. to. And people always ask me, well, do I have, do I need music? Mm-hmm. I said, well, you need a hook. You need that first 10 seconds, right. like Chris's podcast, you know, with the Long Island History Project. Right away, it's these short, like five second clips of mm-hmm. people just saying different things. And it's all these different flavors of accent and mm-hmm. things they're talking about. Like one in one instance, one woman says in the very beginning, goes, and everybody forgets about pirates. <laughs> and he said, and there's all these little little snippets of, of flavors. And that's what pulled me in. I, I've known Chris for a long time, but I said, oh, let me check his podcast out. This is years ago. I said, wow, this is really interesting how he sucks you in with mm-hmm. the music and these short little clips. So it's about pulling the, the listener in. Right. Um, I don't know. And keeping them there. Right. Well, that's that's the point. Once once the once that that bumper is done, you have to be able to then keep their right. attention. Right. Um, and I've listened to podcasts where they didn't. They, you know, the intro was great and the music sounded great, and then all of a sudden you're listening to it, and it's great when you can't fall asleep mm-hmm. because the content just is like right. just not there. Well, I'll, I'll do this thing where I'm listening to one interview. It was Terry Gross with Ronan Farrow just this past weekend. So I think I made it for through the first 10 minutes and then I'd fall asleep. I played it again, tried to get past that point and I kept falling asleep. <laughs> so I still haven't listened to the entire interview, maybe the first 10 minutes. Wow. And isn't that funny how it- I love it though. Like, <laughs> I'll get funny. to it. I'll get to it. So what advice do you have for would be potential podcasters out there? And how, what would you say to encourage them to don't be f- afraid to ask like I did with Alec. I mean, I'm not saying go up to every movie star you see on the street (laughs) and ask if they want to do a show, but don't be afraid to ask if you have an idea. Because, like I said, what's the worst thing that can happen? Someone will say no. Um, Be, you guys set time for it. It's not something you can just do like in half an hour. Right. So you have to be very committed, determined, and passionate. And and you have to be able to craft a good story. And like we were saying before about the, the time for a podcast because our podcast used to go really super long and we've that's not good that's not good (laughs) 
Um, so less is more is my opinion with 35, everything. Thirty-five minutes. In fact, yeah. in meetings, if a meeting goes past an hour, I'm mad. I don't. If you don't, you can't get done what you want in thirty minutes. Then there's something wrong. <laughs> and if you can't tell a story in thirty minutes, there's something wrong. Right. Right. So, um, any other advice for podcasters other than that? Uh, take our class next year. Take We're full your- this year. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. you, you so, know, keep tabs on it because we'll start accepting applications again in the new year. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's very very exciting. Chris told me about the, about the program. I thought, wow, is this something I should be taking? Right, right. <laughs> this, well, you know, and, and there are people like you who who are doing this on the side, and they have like forty listeners, and they are like i need to get to the next level so we'll see what happens it's it's what i like is that the it's a diverse background of people and we'll see how we can as i said it's the experiment year but i feel very confident with our team that we're going to get good results from it definitely gonna be a big success Mm -hmm. especially because you have the manhattan component to it as well right and you saying most of your students are Manhattan manhattan based yeah we were hoping that it, they would come to us, but it's too complicated. It's a long train ride. It's too complicated. It's too much to ask for someone once a week. Although the three people who are based here, they kind of, I love that they just turned around and they go, no, it's okay because I'll get a whole day in the city. I'll make it that Thursday will be my day in the city. So I like that attitude too, outlook. Sure. Yeah. It because they're determined. They're determined. <laughs> they're, they're driven. Right. And drive is such a big part right. of, of what podcasters, well, you know, you have to have that passion. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for, for oh, you're taking welcome. the time. My pleasure. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to ask Kathleen our top 10 questions. Now, usually it's a library related. See, so, I haven't even looked because I don't want to look. I want to be okay. these are the spontaneous. Same, these are the same questions we ask all our guests, okay, but I've so, modified it from so, libraries to podcasting. Okay. okay. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, we will hit her up with the 032 list. Okay, we're back with Kathleen Russo, who's going to be our next participant in our modified 032 list. Um, we also have to give credit to Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library for giving us the idea for the name for the 032 list, which is the Dewey number for top 10 lists. So before we begin, we always have to give credit. Credit is due also to the um, the people at, at Literary Hub, an informative related uh, library-related news website that has stories and interviews related to library land. You can see their work by visiting their website, lithub.com. Visit their site because they educate and inform the library world on great topics from all around the world. Thank you, Literary Hub. So, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, and I haven't looked at it yet. If they don't Audience, fit, it's yeah. okay. We can right. modify as we go along, okay. thinking on the fly. First question: What did you want to be when you were a child? An actress. Right off the bat, right. Mm-hmm. What was your first memory of uh, audio recording or radio? My grandfather listening to baseball in the yard. Wow, that's great. When did you decide to work in the industry? And if not, it, well, we already talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit, because usually what we this question is centered on being a librarian, because 90%, 90 to 95% of people who become librarians, it was not their first career choice. It's mm-hmm. usually a second career. So unless you're like you one of those. That's a lot of school to go for. for yeah. 
A librarian. Yeah. yeah. So um, we always ask this, but for you, you kind of talked about it before. When did you decide to be in the industry? And if it wasn't your first choice, but your first choice was photography. Well, and I think I didn't mention, but I always did college radio. Okay. From Plattsburgh, RIT, I did college radio. So I was always interested in radio, but I didn't work in it, get paid for it until 2008. And isn't that really cool, though? Because now it's come full circle for you. I know. It really is exciting. Right. And my dad started in radio, which is funny. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Upstate New York. That is really cool. Okay. So I'm looking at the script I say I never use. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Okay. What, uh, who is your favorite broadcaster or podcaster? You kind of have Ira to Glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought I'd say Alec Baldwin? Yeah, I thought you'd say no, Alec. No, no, no. Uh, I think Alec Baldwin would say Ira Glass too. So okay. Not, yeah. Oh, so you're, you're covered say, there. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you be doing if you weren't working in what you're doing now or in the industry as a whole? Well, it would depend if I won the lottery or not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm happy to say I have a job that I go to that I wake up and want to be at. So I'm not thinking of other things. Isn't that a great feeling? It is a great feeling. To it's get up and feeling. know that you're happy where you are. Yeah. You love no, what I you love do. my job. I love the people I work with. And that's a good place to be. So why leave it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what is your favorite? Okay. Going back to the, this is more of a lie. I couldn't tweak this one. So <laughs> go thinking of going to a library, what's your fa- favorite section of the library? Well, it was always the children's room. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'd love to, I love that whole exercise of taking out books with the kids when oh, they're yeah. little. Yeah. It's so much fun, isn't it? It's so much fun. This is how you go. This, right. Okay, you take the book, and we're not buying it. We're bringing right. it back. We check it right. out. Here's your so, library card. I mean, the, I'm not going to lecture here, but if you have young children, the best thing you can do for them is read to them every night. Absolutely. Okay. If you had infinite space and budget, what would you add to your recording spaces that you have here? Or have you finished constructing The ones that them? were yeah. just about to build? Yeah. I don't know yet. You don't know yet. I built them. <laughs> But if you had a dream, like if you wanted a Telecaster or you wanted, you know what I mean? You wanted. So you're talking to someone who's not techno- That's technologically right. minded. So I'm happy with your little system right here. <laughs> um, so, no, I mean, just space. I hate when you go into a crowded uh, studio. And ours are not going to be crowded. They're going to be quite spacious. Nice big countertops. So I, I really don't like when you're crowded in a space. And I also like, I, and there's some studios we use in New York where we've got the glass and Alec and the guests are behind it. So I can see him. It's almost like a live performance of the interview. Right. And I and like that. That's something I'm actually considering uh, doing over at Sachem because mm-hmm. um, we have an adjoining study room and there's a window. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking well, this would be a great engineer's booth. Right. And then we can watch them work mm-hmm. in the other, in the other room. Right. But we, that's a to-be-continued kind of thing. Okay. We're still working on that. Okay. So what do you love about – well, you don't, you haven't built your studios yet, so I can't even ask <laughs> what you love about them. What will you love about your studios? That they're ours. That they're yours, <laughs> right? You don't have to share with someone else. Right. And, we don't have to pay rent for them. Yeah. yeah. Studio space time. Right. Yeah. Right. And, okay, it, with your time in the industry, what's one of the weirdest things you've ever seen happen? Not necessarily the worst thing, like the weirdest thing. Uh, we were interviewing Patty Smith in just last November or December, 
a live show in front of 2,000 people in Montclair, New Jersey. And we've never done this before in a live show. We opened up to a Q&A, which we'll never do again. Unless, oh, no, really? Unless people write their questions down on a card and we look at them before. Because there was this guy, the first question he gets up and he said that he had a script that he wanted Patty and Ooh. Alec to read. And we were like, okay, you need to get down. And, and he went on and on about his script where the audience started to say, sit down. Wow. So we had no control over it, really, except, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Alec was great. He was like, okay, send us your script. We're going to move on to the next question. But the guy wouldn't sit wouldn't down. wouldn't stop, right? Yeah. And that was the first one. And so Patty and Alec are sitting there on stage just going, what is going on? Oh, no, I'm never and we're, doing and the, I'm back there with the um, sta- backstage with the producers going, we're never doing Q&A again. <laughs> yeah, not unless you can But that was the first right? time, right. Yeah. right. I actually had something like that happen when I represented at the Nyla conference. This guy who hadn't even started a podcast yet stood up and said, I'm starting a podcast, Brooklyn Public Library, blah, 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 blah. And we're just like, uh, uh, okay, you can sit down now. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, really? You really had to right. do that? Self-promoter. Yeah. Okay, so who is your favorite personality that you've worked with? Well, Alec, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, Alec Baldwin. That one will be an Alec Baldwin yes. question, yes. Yeah. I mean, answer. Right. Okay. Um, and the last question. What are people, usually we say library cards, but what are people who aren't listening to podcasts missing out on? Mm, like my parents who still have never listened to the show said all you do is click on alec's face on google here's the thing (laughs) click on his face and it'll play it for you dad through your computer um i think that they're missing some good stories it always goes back to the storytelling i think that they're missing some wonderful um stories because Look, not every station, NPR station, carries This American Life. Very few, but Mm -hmm. my parents have never listened to This American Life or The Moth or Reveal or any of these wonderful top podcasts now. Um, And a lot of ways you get it is through, you know, downloading, streaming. So I, I feel like they're missing some quality audio arts. It does make sense, too, because you could find something about anything. Right. Whether it's instructional or whether it's entertainment. Right. There's instructional, just... I wouldn't be drawn to. But that said, I understand now YouTube, because we went through this in my son's car the other day, <laughs> was like, we, yeah, it's like, I didn't realize you can get a YouTube to tell you how to fix something in your house all the time. So I'm, I'm more open to that now, too. Yeah. It's the old, how do I change the bulb in my right. headlight in my car? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. YouTube is a great resource for that. So that's my list of questions. Okay. And thank you for being such a great oh, sport you're answering them thank and you. coming on the podcast because this is really a lot of fun. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for coming. Make the trip out here with oh, all the yeah. traffic. No, it's, it's so long as I'm here before the summer really starts. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, yeah. that's when it gets crazy. Well, good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all the time we have for this edition. If you have any questions or comments uh, on our show, please go to the contact us section of our website, thelibrarypros.com, where we'll also include links and photos from this and all of our episodes. And you can also check us out on Twitter at, at the Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash librarypros. And please don't forget to subscribe to our RSS feed, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, wherever else you get your uh, podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website as well. And please 
uh, leave a uh, comment and tell your friends because that's how we get people to listen. And remember, our views are ours and not those of the Station Public Library or any other place. So we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.